Hello, and welcome to Small Black Birds. I'm AJ. And in this episode, you will hear about a woman whose success on the basketball court made her a superstar, but it was her fight for justice in the courtroom that will be her most lasting legacy. All athletes make sacrifices, whether waking up when it's still dark outside to attend practice or forgoing junk food to get in shape. Athletes at all levels make decisions every day, both tiny and massive, in pursuit of their goals. But few sacrifices are more memorable than the one made by WNBA superstar Maya Moore. In early 2019, at the height of her physical abilities and earning power, Moore walked away from her professional basketball career to help free a man serving a 50-year sentence in prison for a crime he did not commit. Through her efforts to prove one man's innocence, Moore has become a leading voice on a national tragedy that is too often overlooked. Each year, thousands of Americans are wrongfully convicted of serious crimes, and in many cases, people are being imprisoned because prosecutors and police are withholding critical evidence from the defendant or coercing witnesses to provide false testimony. In this episode, you will hear how Maya Moore's activism put a spotlight on the tremendous power prosecutors wield in the justice system, and how it changed her life in a way no one saw coming. People don't want to watch a fixed game. They want to watch a fair game. And so that's all we're asking for is, in our justice system, let's be fair. Let's, let's make it equal for every person to have the truth be shown and treat it with respect and dignity. Maya Moore is basketball royalty. As a collegiate athlete, she led the University of Connecticut to two national titles and was selected first overall in the 2011 WNBA draft. After earning Rookie of the Year honors, she won four championships with the Minnesota Lynx an MVP award as the league's best player, and a pair of gold medals playing for the U.S. national team. And she did all that before she turned 30. Heading into the 2019 season, expectations for Moore and her teammates were running sky high. She had led the Lynx to the WNBA Finals in six of the past eight years, and most experts predicted Moore would be competing for another championship at the end of the year. But rather than do what everyone expected, Moore shocked the sports world by announcing she would sit out the entire season. She said she wanted to focus all of her energy on helping exonerate Jonathan Irons, a 40-year-old in prison for a crime he had been wrongfully convicted of over 20 years ago. You know, when I stepped away, I just really wanted to shift my priorities to be able to be more available and present to show up for things that I felt were mattering more than being a professional athlete. And so this is obviously one of the biggest and most direct results of that. The facts of Jonathan Irons' case are as follows. Back in 1997, someone broke into a suburban St. Louis, Missouri home and shot the homeowner twice before fleeing. The victim was unable to identify the shooter only saying it had been a black male. But police collected fingerprints from the doorway that the intruder had used to exit the house. A few days later, Irons was arrested and charged with burglary and a non-fatal shooting. He was 16 years old. What quickly jumps out from the details of Irons' case is how little evidence links him to the incident. 
Prosecutors claim Irons admitted to the crime, but there is no official record or documentation of that admission. In fact, there was no physical evidence linking Irons to the scene, the fingerprints officers collected didn't match, and there was no blood or DNA evidence, witnesses, or weapons that tied Irons to the house. But after a short trial, an all-white jury found him guilty. The more and more you look into his story, you, you realize, first of all, he was 16. He was interrogated without an adult. There were no records, there was no videos, there was no notes taken from those interrogation events. There was no physical evidence, no DNA, nothing tying him to the scene of the crime. Alibi witnesses were never called to testify to the fact that he wasn't at the crime scene at the time. There was numerous elements of faulty eyewitness practices, like, for example, the, the victim of, of this burglary uh, initially said he couldn't identify who uh, the intruder was. And, and the police told him to give his best guess. And I'm not an expert, but I think your instinct tells you when someone tells you to give your best guess, that means you don't know who did it. And so that's just an unreliable eyewitness practice. There was a million dollar uh, bond set for his initial, when he was initially imprisoned, for a 16-year-old without a driver's license. And so just everything was amplified, a 50-year sentence for a non-fatal burglary attempt. Moore's interest in Iron's case began over a decade ago after her family's involvement with a prison ministry brought his story to their attention. After speaking with Irons and carefully examining his case file, Moore and her family members were stunned that he had been convicted on the scant evidence that had been presented in court. They also believed that prosecutors had purposely kept hidden the fingerprint evidence from Irons and his lawyer that would have proved he was not guilty. I learned more and more about his case through a prison ministry connection with my extended family in Jefferson City, Missouri, and that was 12 years ago. So I met Jonathan when I was 18, and as every year went by, I would just learn more and more about his case, learn more and more about his life, and my eyes were open to the reality of, of the huge mass incarceration problem that we have in our country. And more specifically, three years ago, I started to learn more about the role prosecutors play in our justice system and how they are the most powerful actors essentially in our justice system because they basically set the rules of the game and, and uh, are in charge of, uh, of what charges are brought and if minors are charged as adults and different things like that. So I've just been on this journey of learning, having my eyes open, uh, but, it's, but it's connected to an actual person and so it's very real to me. Many parts of this story are disturbing, but perhaps none more so than how often people like Irons are wrongfully convicted for crimes they did not commit. Criminal justice reform advocates say as many as 10,000 people are wrongfully convicted of serious crimes in America each year. And in over half the cases where an innocent person is exonerated, official misconduct by prosecutors or police are responsible for the false convictions. And when prosecutors distort or hide evidence, or encourage witnesses to make false statements, they not only undermine confidence in our justice system, but steal years, and sometimes decades, from the lives of innocent people. I lived in a kind of a middle-class home, and I didn't really have a lot of experience with the justice system or prisons or really being aware of that world. My perception has changed from thinking, if someone's in jail, they're supposed to be, to there's a lot of factors. It's not that simple. Prosecutors are the most powerful officials in the American criminal justice system. 
They decide whether or not to bring criminal charges against someone and what those charges should be. They set the bail to keep defendants in jail pre-trial and dictate the terms of plea deals that settle over 90% of criminal cases. Wielding powers both vast and unrestrained, prosecutors are directly responsible for the race and class disparities in the justice system. And with so few checks on their power, many have been known to use any means necessary, including falsifying evidence or witness statements, to make sure they leave the courtroom with the win. For Moore, it was clear that this is what happened to Irons, and she was ready to prove it. Working closely with Irons' lawyers, she wanted a judge to review their claims that the prosecutor in the original trial had failed to disclose the fingerprint evidence that proved Irons was not guilty. After years of demanding a review of his case, in October 2019, a hearing was set to hear the evidence of Irons' innocence. I've been in different courts throughout my life, but I've never been in a court uh, setting quite like that on October 9th, where we sat for seven hours and listened to the facts, the evidence come out. And I know it's the job of the state to, to question and to try to get to the truth, but there were several points throughout the day where it was very obvious that the state was just about maintaining the win and not actually trying to see the truth of the evidence. And so this isn't just a, a process or something we come do every day. This is someone's actual life who, if we don't do the right thing, they go back to a box. No decision was made that day, but Moore continued to advocate for Iron's freedom. After more hearings and overcoming multiple legal challenges by the state of Missouri to keep Irons in prison, in March 2020, a judge determined that the state had acted improperly by not disclosing the fingerprint evidence and overturned Irons' conviction. After spending more than 23 years in prison for a crime he did not commit, Jonathan Irons walked out of prison a free man. Normally, this is where the story would end, but Moore had one more surprise. Soon after Irons was freed, Moore and Irons went on national TV to announce that they were newlyweds. Now able to enjoy their new life together, it's too soon to know whether Moore will return to basketball. But through a nonprofit Moore founded, they continue to advocate for others wrongfully convicted. You know, one of the things as we've gone through this journey is realizing this is more than Jonathan. This is not an isolated case. And about three years ago, I started a nonprofit called Win With Justice, which is focused on redefining what a win is in our justice system by focusing on ending prosecutorial misconduct. Prosecutors have an enormous amount of power in our justice system. And when prosecutors are focused more on just getting convictions as opposed to actually seeing justice and restoration in their communities. People suffer, especially people with black and brown bodies. It's, it's rooted in an ugly part of our past that is still taking place today in, in the form of mass incarceration. And I've been able to educate myself, especially the past three years, to learn about this greater issue. I just feel compelled to help other people learn because when you educate yourself and you see your neighbor, you see the people around you, it makes it very compelling to want to help and to want to grow and do something. And so Win With Justice is a platform to talk about Jonathan's case, but also to, to help people get educated on uh, what's really going on and how they can help and how they can make their community stronger. Oh, my feet, so
Now, I really love this story, and Maya Mora is a real-life superhero, and her incredible journey has inspired other professional athletes to come out of their comfort zone and pursue social justice causes. WNBA players like Renee Montgomery and Natasha Cloud, you know, they stepped forward to help defeat Kelly Loeffler, the former Georgia senator and part owner of the WNBA's Atlanta Dream, who had been critical of the league's support of the Black Lives Matter movement. They've also been working with uh, players like LeBron James in the fight against voter suppression in Georgia and in other states like Texas, Michigan, and Arizona. And uh, they definitely should be recognized for the important work that they're doing. What do you think about this story? Let me know at smallblackbirdspodcast at gmail.com. Want to protect your right to protest? Go to www.rightsanddissent.org. Stay safe and talk with you soon.